Hello and welcome back to Prospectives. This is episode nine. We're throwing things over here. And this is Jessica Preventure, um, your real estate professional here at Lair Realty Partners and my co-host, Keith, Keith Valancourt. Awesome. We are super excited to start today. Uh, the first thing we want to talk about is Inman just put out a report that says that March showed the second month in a row of price gains. This is nationwide, yeah. um, but really that they think that it's an indication that the slowing that began in June of 2022 is finally kind of coming to a halt. So I know what we've been seeing, we've been seeing here in New Hampshire, prices right. continue to go up. Of Have you seen, do you think you've seen a, a difference in the last couple months? Uh, around here, not so much. Now around here, I feel like they're still they're still up high. Um, but as we see nationwide, like we talked about the last yes. episode on the West Coast, things are coming down. Up here, we're seeing that. That's why we always stay with our local, you know, our local agents for sure. Then, but in this case, it's obviously we had a steady decline, and now it seems like you know, uh, as far as the general countries were concerned, we're we're starting on the uptick for the last couple of months. Yeah, a little bit, little a bit, little bit. Little and bit. you know, that's interesting but not meaning right. it's interesting but not surprising to us and the reason for that is we're yeah they're not huge upticks like we saw during covid but they're steadily increasing and that is primarily due to we still have a lack of inventory we still have like way too many buyers for for the inventory we have now there were three states that had pretty significant unusual gains Yep. Right. Almost 10 percent, you know, nine and a half, nine point four, eight point nine. Yeah. South Carolina, North Carolina and our neighbors in Maine. And Maine. Yeah, I saw that. Good for Maine. So that's great. I, I mean, I think Maine is one of those really beautiful states. Absolutely. And they have this really interesting coastal travel area and then that you get further out and it becomes more and more rural so there's still room for development and improvement Absolutely. up there and anytime you're you know that close to the ocean and that yeah. close to skiing and mountains you know it's that's just it's like the best un, of both it's a little worlds. untapped right now yep. exactly and so really this extremely low inventory is really what's driving these price increases no matter how small and the truth is we're not going to see a drastic change anytime soon. Nope. I really don't think. And it, that's what all the professionals are saying. I mean, we're professionals, but the experts are saying, you know, Zillow senior economists, um, you know, I think on here they had CoreLogic's index, um, Realtor.com's data analyst. Like, it just keeps coming. There, there doesn't... And I mean, do you feel like you're still fighting that mentality of like, well, what comes up must come down. Like, oh, the last time we saw this, everything crashed. Right, and we and again, we go over a lot of it, but everybody's still living in that last three-year window instead of looking at the the bigger picture. Um, just like comparing your West Coast to your East Coast, you gotta kind of keep things in perspective, even though you're looking at the the you know countrywide. Still gotta keep things in perspective. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that that's such a challenging object, objection to overcome, right? Sure. Because I know that I care about my clients 100% and I want to do what's right for them. But there's no but. That is just the end of it. 
And also, I don't have a crystal ball. So oh. I can totally understand the fear, the anxiety. And also, I just don't think there's an improvement in sight. Like, I feel like the waiting game is only making things worse. I've been working with uh, this young couple, first-time homebuyers. I feel for them. Mm. First-time homebuyer properties now, I mean, the mortgage is $3,000 a month. You can feel when you're going into these showings and all the people are there and you can feel the angst coming from yes. them. And it's our job to make sure that we kind of keep those things in perspective because sometimes I come out of a showing and my buyer wants to offer, they're like, we should put in fifty thousand dollars. I'm like, well, no, let's let's yes. not let's not get crazy. Sometimes you think that you want to jump the gun, but you know we gotta again keeping things in perspective. Well, and I had a great conversation with clients because I'm having some that are the opposite. I'm like, okay, here's our opportunity. We have to go to this. We have a connection here. We have the availability, and they don't want to go to their highest mm. offer. And it's like it's not going to happen at that level. I understand where they're coming from, but it's like, okay, we need to readjust expectations now because this property that you want to ask offer asking on already has four offers, 10% <laughs> over asking. Like that, what are we gonna do with sure. this? But you know, they said something really impactful to me. She said, we want to be aggressive, but we don't want to be desperate. And I think that is so important. And Probably a good model for, for uh, buyers, sellers, and agents. Yeah, yeah. you know, we want to be aggressive, but we don't want to be desperate. And they're right. You want to be aggressive. You want to put your best foot forward, but you don't want to be impulsive. You don't want to offer from a state of panic. You, you want to offer in an educated way. When you're ready. Yeah, when you're ready, you're ready to make that decision when the right house comes or the right situation comes that you can you're ready to put your eggs in the basket exactly and you and you have to be clear on your budget so like sometimes when i'm talking to clients and i'm saying that's not going to do it on this property the implication maybe they feel is that i think they should over overbid. that's not what i'm saying if your budget is three thousand dollars a month that is your budget and i feel very strongly let's stay in that budget what i'm saying is your expectations for what you can get sure. within that budget may not be aligned with the current market. So let's sit down, let's rediscuss. You know, it's been four months, it's been six months. Why are you moving? What are the number one must haves? Can we go a little farther out? Can we look at condos instead of single families? Like, what, how much work are you willing to do? And let's readjust your expectations for the home that you're gonna purchase to keep them in line with your current budget because the longer it takes you to to really start being aggressive and making good offers prices here in new hampshire continue to go up and yeah i was going to say back you know that's price prices are going to still go up i mean like you said we've seen a slight uptick the last couple months here but um as far as in this area you know those things are not going to slow down they're 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 still going up so. they 100 percent are still going up and you can see it like I have a listing, <clears throat> the listing these clients I met with them on, we listed at 310. We went at like 360, I think, 365. So that's a lot over. The house that we were just talking about that was listed at 400, in my opinion, is in worse condition than that one. It's, not, it's similar in size. That one was listed at 400 and they have offers of above 440. So like 
what you were looking at at 310 that was going for 350, 60, 70, 80, that's now getting listed at 370, 80, or 400. Right. And now it's going over that. So I feel, I really feel for buyers, especially buyers that like to take their time to make decisions. <laughs> <laughs> there is no time in this market. So I, you know, I work really hard to educate people in advance because when push comes to shove and there's deadlines, Got to be ready to go. Got to be ready to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyway, let us know your opinions. Um, where are what are what things are happening in the area you're in? Do you see prices increasing? Do you see decreases? Um, let us know. Absolutely. All right. On to Airbnb. Yeah, this was this was interesting. Um, you know, Airbnb really look sounds like Airbnb really. Uh, has gotten away from what they originally, you know, um, wanted to do with the Airbnb. So I think they're trying to bring it back. And because like everything else with rentals, prices have gone skyrocketed. Um, so Airbnb wants to try to kind of focus a little bit more on um, Gen Z and, and yeah. the, the traveling generation and, and people that don't want to commit um, to necessarily spending the extra absorbent amount of money for a whole place when maybe just get a room, which is what Airbnb originally wanted was, you know, to rent out a room for a night. This is what it's going to cost you. So the Airbnb in general is, is kind of they, the headline is going head to head with hotels to, to try to kind of focus in more on, on bringing it back to more affordable rentals. Sure. And I mean, I think that's interesting. Like you said, it started off as like just rent a room, extra room, extra space. And it's really turned into legitimate vacation rentals, yeah. quite a few, um, and a great investment. <clears throat> but they kind of straddle both sides of the fence, right? They make a lot of money from their hosts that, right. you know, advertising on their platform. But if they don't have clients or renters, whatever you would call them, to book those rooms, right. then you know that's a problem. I thought it was interesting. So they started in 20, uh, excuse me, 2008, mm -hmm. and its first profitable yeah, year was 2022. Yeah. That blows my yeah. mind. 14 years. You know, when we, when we think of ourselves. Really tough meetings. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess that you have some capital oh, when you start a business, and, but whenever I think of entrepreneurship and a business, I think of us. And can you, I mean, most agents can't make it. They can't go 14 years. 14 no, years no, not no, being profitable. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, we so. getting off topic, but I thought that yeah. was crazy. Now, I do have a personal question for you. Do you use Airbnbs or do you prefer hotels? Um, so I'm still in the hotel phase of things because I don't, I, I haven't, I haven't done enough of the Airbnb stays to still trust them. I've heard more horror stories true really? or not about people finding cameras and oh this, that yeah 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 or like oh. just like not cleanliness at least a hotel you have staff and and mm, that sort of thing as far as airbnb if it's somebody's house you know i mean unless you're going in and combing <laughs> combing the place to, to to make sure everything's the way you want it like it, there's a little there's a little irkiness to me. Uh, that when is I think fascinating. Of the yeah. So the uh, the big part of this article was that it's not competitively priced with hotels. Right. Okay. Right. So I found this to be fascinating. We are going, as you know, on a big oh, right. professional trip in August, and so I've gone on this trip every year for four or five years, 
Um, and I always stay at the hotel where the event is being hosted. Mm -hmm. I just like simplicity. So whatever that cost is per night, I'm paying it. So, but I, we're bringing a bunch of our team members. So there's like six of us going. So instead of one room, I needed to oh, get sure. potentially three rooms. So the, the cost for the four nights for each room was $1,000 just over. So it was going to be like six, that, right? 3000 for, for me to do the hotels for everyone. Well, I didn't do it soon enough and there weren't enough rooms. So I was like, I better find an Airbnb. So I found this, what appears to be gorgeous Airbnb that sleeps 12. And Perfect the total everyone. cost was $1,400. So like half. <laughs> and I could keep another six people in it. Sure. So like to me, that's full fridge, the whole it's they like have house, right? two living yeah. spaces. They have a garage. They have like three bathrooms. It's like looks badass yeah. to be honest. Sure. And so much more affordable. Yeah. But I'm interested. Yeah. To, to hear what you have to say. <laughs> yeah. And we've also done Airbnbs on um, like just small vacations with sure. just Dave and I. But as my kids get older, and someone mentioned this, I don't want to be sleeping in two queen beds in one small hotel room with my teenage son and daughter. Oh, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, who sleeps with who? Do we right, and also when you do, normally you get a room, and like a multiple room situation. And that's so and expensive. Yep. And so, and like, they're, it's not like when they're little and you went to an all-inclusive and they could have ice cream and meat, whatever you want. Like they're- It's all about the pool back then. Yeah, yeah. now yeah. it's like, okay, they can get their own food. We can have snacks. I'm like much more drawn to the Airbnb situation. So that's good. So I would love to hear more good stories about it because um, I, I swear the amount of good stories versus the bad stories I've heard are probably Awesome. So I've like never I'm heard. Maybe are you looking at this stuff on TikTok or something? It might or? be a lot of it. Might be <laughs> stuff that I hear. You, know, you, only, you only hear those good stories. Um, well, what I really think is interesting is how do they keep the prices affordable so that they continue to have clients coming in? I don't know how they do it. And still make it profitable yeah. for the hosts. I don't know how they do it. Because I, I mean, I just I guess I don't know the uh, the exact demand for that. For that type of setup i don't know I there's think, lots of them yeah, i think I and i mean i'm, I'm not gen z so and i think of one thing that someone mentioned in here which i thought was very valuable is there's a difference between expecting your airbnb to fully pay for the expenses of your property and looking for it to offset some ah, expense expenses sure. right like if sure. i were to buy a vacation home in a location that i also want to vacation in and i'm using it half the year or i'm using it and i'm only renting it part of the year it's like you're okay if you're not making a profit you're just reducing your cost but if i go buy something in some place i'm never going to go visit i want that to be profitable yeah, and course. making money but then i always think see i'm like talking myself out of it because then i think about appreciation well, if I own a property, let's say I'm making up numbers and I, I don't do math super fast in my head, but let's say in 2019, I brought a property in Arizona, I don't know, or wherever the heck, Miami. Okay. Ooh, Miami. But I just planned on Airbnb again. And now let's just say in order to be get enough hosts, I'm not really turning a profit. I'm paying half of my expenses with okay. Airbnb. So instead of my mortgage being $3,000 a month, Let's say it's really only cost me fifteen hundred. Well, if I hold on to that for five years, 
from 2019 to now, yeah. I mean, prices have come up 20, 30, 40. Yeah. I still made a pretty penny of equity, even though it wasn't cash flowing. It was basically an investment. So anyway, uh, let us know if you prefer Airbnbs, if you look for, oh, I want to hear about the bad Airbnb. No, no. <laughs> we want to hear about the Because apparently stories. there's only good stories, so I need to hear more <laughs> bad stories about it. So ones that aren't just off TikTok. Yes. Okay, tell, tell us about your Airbnb and Please. why you choose that or why you choose a hotel. We, we want to know. We do. All right. So for our agent-centered piece, um, what do you think about transaction coordinators? I thought this was an interesting debate from BAM Media. I feel like they're a no-brainer, really. I feel like they're a no-brainer for <clears throat> because of all the things a real estate agent has to do all the multitasking and all the <clears throat> all the things you even you know you you have to pick and you have to pick and choose the the things that you spend the, your time on and those type of things and um, paperwork is not like a real estate agent's uh, best butter. friend or bread and yeah. butter right we need to be out checking out properties talking with people clients that sort of thing so um, I think it's a I think it's a, a must have in you know, to varying degrees, you know, yeah. however, you know, however little or as much as you can have somebody else do for, as yeah. far as that's concerned, I think that's, that's fantastic. So transaction <laughs> coordinators are a subset of the real estate industry that their focus is strictly on the paperwork, deadlines, and timelines of a transaction. So many agents outsource that portion of their work uh, because it's not the highest and best use of their time. Somebody else can manage those deadlines while they do the hard work of negotiation, of coordination, of really connecting with clients and other agents and that kind of stuff. Now, this article, so I agree with Keith, definitely more detail-oriented. Most agents are kind of artsy. We're very social and out there and maybe not as detail-oriented. We can explain the contract, but we might misprint something or something like that. And a transaction coordinator really keeps you on task. This interesting article from Jason Cassidy um, talked about who should pay for the transaction yes. coordinator. So I just want to go back to that. As real estate agents, we are 1099 uh, workers, which means we are entrepreneurs. We, we get paid a flat amount and all of our expenses come out of that amount, including our taxes. We're not employees and we're not W-9. We are 1099. So if I have a closing, for example, I had a closing today, the commission check that was paid to my broker was $10,500. A portion of that goes, the broker keeps. A portion of that pays for my errors and omission insurance. A portion of that may or may not pay for a transaction coordinator. If it was a listing, a portion of that may pay for staging or cleaning or photography, you know? And then from all of my closings, I'm also paying my business cards, my photography, my mailers, my, my own insurance, you know, my internet, my car, like a hundred other things. So the question that this was posed here is who should pay for the TCs? Now the cost of a TC is usually by transaction right. and area and you know, who you're paying to do that can range from 300 to $600 a transaction. 
the debate was, should that cost be charged directly to the client as an administrative fee on top of your commission, or should that cost be um, built in or accepted from the agent? Yeah, and it's, I think it's a great debate. I think that. Um, You're not gonna pick a side? <laughs> so I feel, I feel like, you know, the agent should kind of, um, each agent's gonna have what they do and um, some agents are gonna include it, some agents are gonna make the buyer seller pay the fee. Um, I think that kind of goes with your agent shopping that we talked about and it's something that you should definitely, you know, it's something that you, you might not be aware of and then, you know, once you find out, you're like, oh, you know, I didn't know that or you might wanna talk about it or have a discussion on it. So. I think it's kind of more of a case by case situation or a realtor by realtor situation. Mm. So I, I can see both sides of it, um, but at the same time, I think it, it's all should be worked out between the agent and the client. Yes, so I'll say this. I have strong opinions about it. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> but I will say that you did hit on something and that is that it's up to the agent. So because we're 1099 employee, we're not employees, 1099 workers, it's your business. Mm -hmm. So how you want to structure it is totally up to you. And I'm not gonna pass you know, judgment on how you run your business, I just know how I run my business. Sure. And for me, it is something that I have chosen to take on in my real estate business so that I can deliver a better service to my clients. And therefore it's my expense. Sure. Because if I choose not to do it, I'm not going to give the client a discount. Like that's, that's part of the expense of, of my running my business. My clients aren't asking me if I'm sending out mailers. My clients aren't asking me if I got new business cards. My clients, like that's my business and those are my expenses. You roll it all into one. Yeah, yep. and so I just feel like I deliver X service and this is what is included in the service I deliver. And for that service, you pay this rate sure. of pay. I'm not gonna add all these hidden fees. I've even heard agents adding marketing fees on their <laughs> listings. I'm like, but that's our job. Right. Like that's what we're getting but paid for. We also, we also see where some, some agents will have certain, a, a four, a five, and a six percent where you're getting different things. Maybe maybe uh, you pay an extra percent, but it's gonna include professional photography. It's gonna include the transaction coordinator. So again, like you're saying, that's why I kind of ride both sides. I like, you're obviously doing great things. So whatever you're doing, you keep doing <laughs> Okay, it. I will. Uh, but yes, I see it. I see it going both ways for sure all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a super interesting yeah, debate because there were people that were. But I don't think there is any debate that they are very important. In yeah. Yeah. I, that's true. I don't <laughs> think there's any debate yeah. that having someone support you with that. Um, it is super valuable to free up your time for your highest and best use of your time. And, and like I said, there's a big, you know, we use a professional um, transaction coordinator. That is her business and that's what she does and she's excellent at it. But I have in the past used an assistant to do it at a lower price point. Um, some 
agencies have their own full-time staff workers that are transaction coordinators are handling that. So there's a hundred ways to do it. And you know, I think we can end it on just saying that's what we love about this business. Run your business the way it works for you. Um, and your people will find you and, you know, keep showing up like your authentic self and the clients that want to work with you will, will show up there. So let us know if you use a transaction coordinator. If you do, are they provided by your broker? Do you pay for them yourself? Are they an assistant on your staff? Let us know. We'd love to hear about it. Absolutely. I feel like we asked a lot of questions. We want some feedback, people. Give us I have been get, Actually, I have a few things in the work that we have been getting some good feedback from people. So keep it up. <laughs> Sounds good, guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you.